Hello and welcome to another episode of the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency. I would like to remind you all that we have just launched our print edition and I'd like to encourage you all to subscribe. You can do that by going to www.spectator.us forward slash subscribe uh, and there you can take advantage of our various offers. I'm joined by Paul Wood of the Spectator USA and we're going to be asking is Iran standing down? Paul, Donald Trump has just given a press conference in which he uh, assured the world that Iran is standing down and that America will never let Iran have a nuclear weapon and that much as uh, Secretary Mike Pompeo said earlier this week that whereas Obama um, sort of appeased Iran, he is confronting it and containing it. Do you think there's anything, any truth in what Donald Trump is saying? Well, it's a nice line, isn't it? America and Iran over the past few days remind me of two belligerent drunks in a bar squaring up to each other, uh, telling their mates, hold me back, hold me back, and their girlfriend saying, he's not worth it, don't do it. They're drunk not on alcohol, but on their rhetoric. Trump tweeting in capital letters that Iran could expect retaliation, the likes of which no country had ever seen. Iran flying the red flags of vengeance. Uh, And I think both sides having a little bit of a wobble it was quite interesting that on the day that, uh, the early hours of the day that Iran released these missiles, their foreign minister was also telling the few Western journalists in Tehran that really Iran didn't want war and it was up to President Trump if there was going to be a war, but certainly it wouldn't be started by Iran. And President Trump and his officials seemed to go strangely silent after the initial wave of missiles, uh, as if you know they had looked upon their works and wondered exactly what they'd done. So. You can never say peace in our time in the Middle East, but I think things will calm down for the moment. But only for the moment, because if the Americans are serious about stopping the Iranians getting a bomb, at some point I think the Iranians are going to break out of the agreement that the Americans have already junked. They will start enriching more uranium, as they have announced. And at some point uh, it will seem to the Americans, if they are serious about stopping Iran going down that path, then further action will be required. Yes, I mean, there's already been quite a lot of talk about how this strike might have been Iran's uh, satisfying its its sense of honour. I think there's quite a lot of rubbish talked about Iran's sense of honour. I mean, it's not uh, an 18th century uh, pistol duelist. It's a nation state with with complicated complicated priorities and and aims. I mean, do you think people are jumping the gun a bit quickly and saying that you know this might all calm down now? Well, saving face is very important in the Middle East, and several disastrous decisions have been taken by various Middle Eastern leaders to save face. And there were several days of the Iranian religious leadership whipping up their followers with rhetoric, you know, the the great cliché of death to America seemed to gain new impetus over the past few days. But what they have done is claimed, rather improbably, that 80 Americans were killed and 200 were wounded. And I think honour, from their point of view, would be satisfied if that were true. But of course, it is not true. Iranians are pretty smart. I'm sure they see through this. A lot of Iranians don't particularly like the religious regime. Uh, It's wobbly, and that's one of the reasons why it has lashed out over the past six months or so in various ways. It feels its back is against the wall with economic sanctions. I don't suppose Iranians will be fooled by all this, but it has allowed the government to save face, and that is very important. Well, I mean, there's also been a, a kind of rather tragic dimension to this otherwise fairly phony war so far. The 178 passengers on a Ukrainian 
plane that went down. It's quite hard to see that as just an accident. And there's already reports that Iran has or possibly hasn't been refusing to hand over the black box. Do you think that's purely an accident or do you think it's um, accidentally shot down in hostilities? Or do you think it might be even something even more sinister? There is a long and tragic history of commercial airliners flying in or out of uh, war zones or places that have just become war zones. And why on earth uh, the Ukrainian airline decided it would be a good idea at this very moment to be flying out of Tehran, I don't know. My gut is that something like the Iranian air defences were triggered. They thought the Americans were firing some cruise missiles in. As you say, it, it seems almost impossible this is merely a coincidence. But whose missile, if there was a missile, shot this plane down? I think we may have to wait some time to see. Uh, and it could also end up causing hostilities that might have been, if, let's say, the, the, the idea that the hostilities are going to calm a bit now, this might end up being a, a greater problem because if Iran is trying to cover up what happened, there will have to be questions asked. I find it hard to see how it would be to Iran's advantage to shoot down an aircraft leaving its own airspace. I think it's far more likely to be an accident of war, but we simply don't know. There are about 100 different ways that this conflict could reignite or spiral out of control. And I think both President Trump and the Iranian leadership have tiptoed to the edge of the abyss, had a look over and decided the drop looks very, very long indeed and have edged back. But there are a number of ways this could still go wrong. For instance, the Lebanese border, um, Hezbollah, the Lebanese militia, which answers to Tehran and the Israelis, got into an accidental war in 2006. Tensions are extremely high right now. A few months ago, the Israelis sent a drone, uh, apparently, to attack a target right in the heart of Beirut. And tensions increased temporarily then. There are a lot of fingers and a lot of triggers, and it only takes one person to make a, a, a hasty decision and things flare up again. It's the Middle East. And do you think uh, there was perhaps more strategic thought behind Trump's actions than he's been given credit for? A writer in the Financial Times said that looking for a strategy in Trump's actions is trying to find a, like trying to find a pattern in a bowl of spaghetti. Uh, I think that was a pretty good metaphor. I've seen no evidence that President Trump has a strategy. He doesn't think that way. He reacts. If he had a strategy going into the election in the past few years on one consistent line, it was to get out of wars in the Middle East. He just nearly started a very large war in the Middle East. If the strategy is to defeat ISIS, that was being accomplished in a rather bizarre alliance of American bombers in the air and Shiite militias on the ground. That's gone out of the window. If there was a strategy to train and assist the Iraqi government, certainly there won't be much training or assisting going on for the next few months by American troops in Iraq. And, of course, the major strategic objective that Trump's had all along is to stop Iran making a nuclear weapon. And I think um, the mullahs have been pushed into enriching more uranium faster and going further down the road to that weapon. So if there's a strategy, then it's very hard to discern it. Well, the, a lot of the sort of Trump supporters or, or, or either never Trumpers who are now suddenly finding they're warming to Trump are now saying that the uh, strategy was, might have been to carve out uh, an opening for a withdrawal from Iraq and Syria. And in fact, we've already seen reports that some Syrian, some American bases in Syria are being evacuated. I mean, could this be what the thinking was all along, that this strike will give America an opportunity to walk away, having looked as though it was willing to challenge Iran? And then we'll eventually see a, a, a sort of a redux of the Obama deal, just a little bit tougher, 
on Iran's development of nuclear weapons further down the line? Well, if by opening you mean so offending the majority of uh, Iraqi politicians in parliament that they voted to ask the Americans to leave, I suppose that is an opening, but um, that's not the way even President Trump's America, I think, wants to leave Iraq. Whether there is a nuclear deal, different question. The sanctions are certainly hurting Iran, and President Trump announced even more of them at his news conference this afternoon. But very, very difficult to see how um, Iran can make a deal with Trump's administration after Soleimani's killing. It makes it much, much more difficult. A stand to be disproved. Uh, sometimes President Trump exhibits a sort of mad genius about foreign affairs, a bit like the blind man occasionally hitting the bullseye on the dartboard. So maybe this will come out right in the end, but there's no evidence that people are thinking clearly and consistently. Look at how many national security advisors Trump's been through, many of them with views that seem to be opposed to his when he hired them, like John Bolton, many of them disagreeing among themselves. There's never been a consistent line in this White House. I mean, maybe this is an academic question in itself, but do you think it is really possible for uh, any superpower to have act- an actually consistent foreign policy or, or are leaders always reacting to events and then sort of applying meaning later? Well, yeah, events are very difficult to predict and you find your theory later. Um, I, mean, I don't think many world leaders are particularly deep thinkers um, philosophically or strategically. They have people for that. They come along later and, and justify what's happened. But Trump's uh, modus operandi is a whole different thing. I don't think Washington has ever seen such an erratic president. President Nixon famously had a madman theory of how you should treat your enemies. Always try to seem unpredictable, always try to be the person that everybody's terrified will actually push the, the red button, the nuclear button, or the, the button to start a war. I don't think it's an act with President Trump. Uh, do you think, uh, looking ahead to what happens next, uh, uh, do you think there is any possibility that the Iranians will be satisfied with this attack and i mean it seems to be very unlikely that they'll feel that um that they'll feel their honor has been um satisfied well they did do one very important thing which was not to use a deniable terrorist action not to use one of the militias in iraq or lebanon but to fire missiles from the territory of iran by the nation's forces by the state forces of iran it was an undeniable iranian attack which carried enormous risks that the Americans would retaliate. So General Soleimani and Iran had been geniuses over the past few years of being operators in the shadows, of blowing things up, of um, carrying out military actions that nobody was quite sure how they'd happened, who had done it. Uh, This was a kind of warfare that they excelled at. The missile strike was just a very conventional state-to-state action, And, of course, that's the vulnerability that Iran has. It's not ISIS. It's not just a terrorist group. There is a return address. If you fire a missile, there's somewhere for the United States or others to fire missiles back at. But I think for that very reason, and because Iran knows that it cannot win a war, a proper war against the United States, things will settle down now. And looking ahead to his uh, possible re-election this year, do you think Trump has curried greater favour with the American electorate. Particularly, We hear a lot about how his base is more anti-interventionist than you know, previous Republican president's bases. Uh, do you think he has come out of this uh, looking better as far as the election is concerned? 
Well, one theory about why he pulled back and why he um, stopped a strike against Iran some months ago when the planes were allegedly already in the air is because he knows that his base doesn't want another foreign war. America has been two decades in Iraq and Afghanistan with very little to show for it except a huge trillion-dollar-plus bill, and his supporters don't like that. There is an election coming up. I think having looked tough, banged his chest a bit, killed somebody that both Democrats and Republicans agree was behind a lot of terrorist actions and the deaths of hundreds of US servicemen. That looks pretty good. There's no war at the end of it. It, it, uh, it will help him with his supporters. Unless, of course, events overtake him and come November, there is actually a war with Iran in the Middle East and then things will look very different. One thing that's often said about Trump is that uh, he hasn't started a war and this is seen as a great tick in his favour box ahead of the 2020 election. And there's also been a lot of speculation that if he were going to attack Iran, it would be after he'd been re-elected. Do you think that it's possible that he's actually getting a sort of appetite for violence on the world stage that he didn't have before? I mean, so he it was Baghdadi, he killed Baghdadi, and now he's killed Soleimani. And perhaps it's actually that he was conflict-averse before because he didn't really want to think through the complexities of war. And now he might be sort of starting to feel that he can be a warrior president? I think there are two aspects to being a warrior president or a foreign policy president. One is doing the hard thinking about strategy, about the implications of your actions, and the other is a glorious moment where you call the generals in and say, right, missiles away. President Trump's always seemed to quite like the ceremonial aspects of being commander-in-chief. Remember, this is the man who wanted a military parade, a Soviet-style military parade, down Pennsylvania Avenue, uh, he talks about my generals. He has always been, in his own estimation, the big swinging dick, whether it's in New York real estate or um, presidential politics or the business of ordering military forces around. Um, he loves that aspect of it. Whether he wants to do the hard thinking and the hard work which would be entailed in actually running a war in the Middle East, uh, I don't think that's his personality. His personality is perfectly suited to ordering a brief strike, as we saw in Syria and as we saw in General Soleimani, and then moving on to other business. This is entirely consistent with the way he's done his presidency in everything for the past three years. But, well, I mean, I think he used to say when he was a real estate developer was, um, I like to keep things nice and complicated. And that seems to guide him in everything he does too. I mean, do you think it's possible that he's quite willing to be seen as this kind of childish, monomaniacal wannabe dictator so that, like, the, like in the madman theory, he can um, con his enemy. That may be the theory which you're applying to his actions. I think the actions come from something instinctive. Uh, he likes to set people against each other among his own staff. He likes to fire people by tweet. He likes to keep people guessing. It's almost as if he's still on the reality TV show where controversy, uh, conflict, angry people waving their fists equals more ratings... There's a kind of emotional exhaustion in Washington, especially among reporters covering the Trump White House. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. If there's another four years of it, I think people are already quite punch drunk. I don't think this is some masterful theory which Trump has thought up and then run his life according to it. That's his personality, and, and um, people like us come along and try to make sense of it. <laughs> um, well, we'll end it there. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk.
and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. 